in those quiet moments, it's like we are taking off one garment and putting on another. Sometimes in those quiet moments, God is utilizing every moment when we come together in this corporate anointing to cause the change that is necessary. And how important is that if our train of thought would just continue to get us more of what we have and if we don't want what we've been getting? How important is it in those moments like when pastor was just speaking and he talked about that word, you have to be, hope is all about expectancy and a neck that's outstretched. And when we come together and when we're hearing the word of God, there's a posture sitting on the edge of your seat, so to speak, of expectation. And what we're, what we're listening for, we're listening, we're listening with an open heart, but what we're listening for and looking for is something that will way heavy on us some of you this morning when you heard that word anchor client i mean the word itself it, anchor means boom. when you let out an anchor it boom, it drops fast to the bottom and so that word in you maybe maybe it rested heavily and the reason that you sit with expectation looking and listening for that kind of thing is that that word to you is alive that word to you, because it's alive, is now a weapon. Amen. That is your weapon. So when you come to church, when you're in the corporate anointing, what you're looking for is weapons for the next week or season of your life that God is freely dispensing. You know, in a natural relationship, you know, if I'm not really close to you, I would have no expectation for you to take care of the things in my life. But I have an expectation where Pastor Ian is concerned because he's close to me. Right. You can ask him. And so it's the same with the Lord when we come together, we're drawing close to him every way that we possibly can because when we're close to him, not assuming that we are, but drawing close to him is exactly like the expectation that I have because I'm close to him, that's allowing him into my life. So much of what we live in Christianity is through assumption that I can come but not pursue intimacy or relationship or friendship with the Lord. But that's so critical because in friendship with God, in closeness or nearness, what you're doing is you're allowing him in. Amen. You're allowing him Amen. to get to you Amen. what he wants to get to you. Amen. It's never on his end, it's on our end. And sometimes what we're not realizing in those moments of quietness, that change that's happening is walls that are coming down we're letting him closer so we receive what he has for us. So when we stay distant, even though he's offering, because we're, we don't have relationship, we don't receive. That's so important. So important. 
So today, this morning, good morning, and it's, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. I don't even know if I, I try to enter into worship when I'm away, but when I get here, there's just something about, you know, you take a deep breath and you're home. So we so appreciate uh, the largeness of going to that conference and just the movers and shakers around the world. And you become who you hang around. Have you ever heard that? And you may not want to, but you become what you look at. And so it's always been important to us to be around those because of the global mandate on this ministry to be around those who are globally doing a lot. So this morning is a very special service for all of us. Hallelujah, especially for Pastor and I and those of us who are leaders. And in a moment, you're going to see some, a few of the department heads come up front. But God's church, we're celebrating today this amazing plan, God's church in the earth, made up of you and I, God's crazy plan to get compassion to the world, to get love to the world, to get some of the things that Pastor Jess and Pastor Ian was just praying about, the supernatural of God that he is offering as God's partnered with us as we're hearing in these days through this aspect of partnership or covenant together with God, this crazy aspect of church, the church, the most powerful entity. If people wanna know God, they see us. If they want to know what God thinks, they look, they see us, they listen to us. If they want to know who God is and how he lives, they look at us crazy that God would use what seems to be so small and so insignificant in the natural. But when we partner together with him, it's supernatural. What we do through the presence of God, God in you and God in me, as we interact with people every single day is so supernatural. And the way, one of the ways that we rise up in that is what, when we come together and, and we just allow God to begin to make sense of what he's placed on the inside of us. You are, I am, we are together the most powerful God entity in the whole wide world world and god chooses to do that in two ways first is by us being so full of him just like that moment that i said where you might not have thought of an anchor client before but he thinks of anchor clients he made it up and so we allow him in and we allow his way of thinking in so that our life will change so that we can impact the lives of others. He does it in another way. He does it by all of us coming together. And we've been hearing Pastor Ian talking about that. And the result of that is that we're blessed. So today is a service that, like I said, we love this service every year and it's called You Matter. And so I have, um, I'm gonna call Joy up, but I have a, a story that talks about this idea of the church in the earth being the compilation of you and I coming together, this aspect of synergy or this aspect of unity. And I'm sure you've all heard this story. It's a story about geese and uh, different significant aspects of geese and what makes them so successful. And so here we go. It's a little bit long, so just bear with me. It says, every fall, thousands of geese fly from Canada into the southern part of the United States to escape the bitterly cold Canadian winter. 
As soon as a flock of geese takes flight from Canadian waters, they will quickly form a V-shaped flying pattern with one rotating goose in the center lead and all of the other geese trailing behind in two close lines. I'm sure you've seen it. Wildlife scientists have conducted extensive studies to determine why geese and other migratory birds always fly in a distinctive V formation. So kind of like us, we're here today, our necks are outstretched, and we're going to learn something today. Amen? Amen? They found some fascinating results. They said, when geese fly together, each goose provides additional lift and reduces air resistance for the goose that's flying behind it. Consequently, by flying together in a V formation, scientists estimate that the whole flock can fly about 70% farther with the same amount of energy than if each goose flew alone. Wow. If I stopped there, that would be amazing. Geese have discovered that they can reach their destination more quickly. Come on, let this abolish some thinking this morning in the name of Jesus. They discovered that they can reach their destination more quickly and with less energy expended when they fly together in formation. When people work together harmoniously on teams, sharing common values and a common destination, they all arrive at the destination quicker and easier because they are lifted up by the energy and the enthusiasm of one another. Second point, when a goose drops out of V formation, it quickly discovers that it requires a great deal more effort and energy to fly. Consequently, that goose will quickly return to the formation to take advantage, that's the anointing, of the lifting power that comes from flying together. Sometimes people play, playing on teams will drop out of the group and try to accomplish goals on their own. However, like the geese, these usually discover after some time <laughs> that they miss the synergy and energy that comes when they, are at, when they are an active part of a cohesive team moving toward their destination and want to return to the group. Third point, these geese rotate leadership. When the goose that is flying in the front of the formation has to expend the most energy because it is the first to break up the flow of air that provides the additional lift for all of the geese who follow behind the leader. That's a good point about praying for your leaders <laughs> or your pastor. Consequently, when the lead goose gets tired, it drops out of the front position and moves to the rear of the formation where the resistance is the lightest, and another goose moves to the leadership position. This rotation of position happens many times in the course of the long journey to warmer client climates. When a team is functioning well, various members of the team may take the leadership role for a while because of a particular expertise or experience. Consequently, on good teams, everyone has the opportunity to serve as a leader as well as a follower. So Fourth, geese honk. Are you good? Yes. Learning something? Yes. Okay, two more. Geese honk at each other. 
They also frequently make loud honking sounds as they fly together. Scientists speculate that this honking is their way of communicating with one another during their long flight. Similarly, when working on teams, it is exceedingly important for each team member to communicate regularly with all of the other team members. Teams frequently will fall apart because of the lack of adequate communication among the various members of the team. Perhaps human teams can learn from flying flocks of geese that constant communication among members is exceedingly important in moving effectively towards a common destination. And finally, geese help one another. Scientists also discovered, they're smart, that when one goose becomes ill, is shot or injured, and drops out of the formation, two other geese will fall out of formation and remain with the weakened goose. They will stay with and they will protect the injured goose from predators until it is able to fly again or dies. Likewise, human teams work best when they do more than just work together, but care for the well-being of one another. Yeah. Woo, isn't that good? So this morning, Joy has a testimony when we talk about the power of the church in the earth and we receive that power through him flowing through us. But secondarily, the power in what we just read of just, just getting into that formation. And so Joy has a testimony of that from her life. Yeah, amen. So for the last several years, uh, when I would go to the doctor for the, you know, the physical annual checkup that people go to um, and she would do blood work. Everything was great, but the thyroid always would, for the last several years, come up as low. And over the years, she wanted me to take medication, but because I was symptom-free, um, I never took medication. So through the years, I did the do's. You know, the things we know to do, right? Meditate on the word, confess the word, watch what I think, watch what I say, get in his presence and all of those things. I did those things, and I lived symptom-free, even though the blood work was showing that it was low. And so uh, in November, this just past November, I, I went again for the annual blood work. And the funny thing is when I was, you know, driving there, you know, I'm, I always talk to the Lord before I go on appointments. And so <laughs> my, my little conversation with, with him was, okay, Lord, um, I need you to give me something good to say to her because every time I go and she shows the thyroid is low, she wants me to take the medication. And every year I have to tell her I never took it right? Because I didn't have any symptoms. So I need something good to say to her. And really, that's what my conversation was with the Lord. And so when I went, she went through everything. This is great. This is great. All that as always. And she goes, and your thyroid's great. And I was like, <laughs> right? So I went in expecting some a good comeback. And meanwhile, right, it was better than I expected. And so when I left, right, obviously, I was in awe. And I'm like, Lord, what happened? Like all of those years, it showed up as low, and I, I didn't do anything different this time. And he immediately said to me, but you did. He said, you said yes to me when I called you to your place at the School of Ministry. And when you said yes, you stepped into my perfect will for you. And he said, in my perfect will for you is everything you need and more. So praise the Lord. Wow, how amazing, eh? That was great. Man, that is amazing. 
Oh, thank you very much, Thanks. Cato. So we're going to spend a little bit of time today, Pastor Alex. I asked him to kind of join me a little bit, just so that it's a little bit more fun for us to talk about <laughs> some of the some things, jokes some jokes. You know, yes, bring my I clever think Your quips. beard is getting a little messy there. Is it? It's not messy. Purpose? It's just growing. That is nice. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Let's go with that. It's cool, right? So what we're going to talk about today, we're, we're just going to spend they some time. They got me all self-conscious about it up here. I, I, like I, I was going to say, I haven't seen him in a week, though. So, he's, you know, he's, all of a sudden it's down around his ankles after I didn't see him for a week. I, I saved my comments until I could make them up here. You know, there's so much more fun to make up here. We're going to talk about today a little bit because of it being the You Matter service and really the celebrating the contribution of the so many people that mm -hmm. are part of what we do here, not only here now, but also uh, in Buffalo, and then mm -hmm. uh, certainly through the, all of the technology, beautiful technology that we have uh, these days to minister all around the world. Um, <clears throat> it's good for us to kind of have a little bit of an understanding of how these things work when it comes to God's perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, we run into a little bit of a problem in our world, and in, not in our world, in all of the worlds. I'm always taken back to that time when Moses... Um, you know, Moses went in and he got all the Israelites out of Egypt because God's plan is family. Right. It's always been family. Yep. He's okay to double back and go get all of the family before we go into the promised land. Uh, that's always God's plan, that there would be a large group of people. But, you know, if you've read Exodus at all, you know that having a whole bunch of people around... Uh, can also be a bit problematic. <laughs> and that's kind of the situation that we ran into with Moses. And a couple of times, God got so mad at the family that he said to Moses, Moses, tell you what, why don't you go over there and have a nap for a minute? I'm going to let my anger boil up to the, to the melting point. I'm going to wander close to all of these knuckleheads. That problem will be solved, and me and you will start over again. Paraphrased. Um, paraphrased. <laughs> The knucklehead part. Because um, God had got so angry at the Israelite people because he, he, they just weren't working with his plan mm -hmm. and they weren't working with Moses. So we know there that there are actually some clues. There's some things to understand if we are going to try to do this you know, African proverb thing, if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that we don't sometimes have to go fast, which means somebody does have to go alone, but that's not the best plan. God's plan is always a long-term plan. Yep. Well, let's put it like this. <clears throat> to God, who said, I'm coming back soon, it uh, doesn't always look like a long-term plan in God's eyes, but right. it always does seem, it should seem to us like it's always a long-term plan. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> under, excuse me, <clears throat> I did some cream while I was away in uh, cheating down in Texas. Um, when, <clears throat> when God's plan comes out, we have to always assume the real plan is a long-term plan, yep. which means it always has to involve a whole team of people because of how much it is when it goes big and when it goes long. Yep. So it not only has to be able to house a lot of people, it also has to be generationally transferable. Yeah. And so there, and God always sees things. Whenever you have God's plan for your life, if you would say, you know, I'm going to do this for six, that's what I was in ministry. I, I you know, I kind of thought we were going to crash and burn after that, you know, Bible study in my home. <laughs> How many of you know God's plan is different than that? And sometimes yeah. he cons you. 
by telling you it's just going to be for a second or two. But remember, a second or two in God's mind can be a thousand years in our time. So we always have to be understanding how to do this long term. Yep. And how to, that means how to do it together and understand the whole together part. Mm -hmm. And there are some real difficulties that come when humans try to do stuff together. I don't know if you've, you've noticed any of that stuff. So we're going to try and spend some time with it today, particularly from the perspective that says God is trying in, in God's perfect world, what he wants to do is gather together a band, a team, a posse of covenant-minded people. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a, there's, there's, there's a world like the world we live in where everybody sees everything from an individualistic point of view. That's how we were all trained in our world. As a matter of fact, to, to serve a vision that gives, that brings no glory to me is a dumb thing to do in our culture. That's what they call cults in our culture. If you're, if you're belonging to some place and they want you to do something and there's no benefit to you in doing it, then that must be a cult. Right. They're so anti any concept of serving right. a vision that doesn't bring glory to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, when we begin to try and understand this whole covenant way of living, Man, we are coming in, we are like cross grain to everything that we have been taught in our culture. And that's going to be evident as we begin to try and walk down this road of not just being a, you know, a church full of people who are all kind of hanging out together so we get to heaven when we die, to be a group of people who can actually accomplish something that is extraordinary yeah. in the earth today. That takes strength. That takes a bond and a connection together as individuals that can withstand what, what we could call the problem years. <clears throat> the problem years in becoming a covenant-minded people are the years where you see the vision, but you don't see the manifestation. Yeah. You know, we can liken it to, if you remember the, the times with David, uh, 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 Samuel comes to David and anoints him as king. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing goes off that David is going to be king when he goes in and he does this, the stone and the sling thing, remember, and takes out Goliath. And then all of a sudden people start singing songs <laughs> about David. And there's all a bunch of people who saw his valor and his courage there are people who became eventually David's mighty men. Yep. And they see this guy on the scene as, as the prophet. They can see the prophecy coming to pass. Saul is hiding off in the tent in the back. And David is the one who steps up and takes on Goliath. Mm -hmm. And then everybody starts singing songs about him. And it's, how many of you know, this is awesome time for David. <laughs> All of his mighty men start to gather around him because they want to hang out with this man of courage and strength. I can totally see how this guy is going to lead Israel into its greatness. Yeah. But how many of you know, you got to skip a whole bunch of chapters before you get to the king part. Yeah. And his mighty men had to hang in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
when he's being chased by the king all around the neighborhood. Yeah. Where they're hiding in caves, where they're in battles all the time, when they're afraid for their lives and their families and all of these things for a long period of time, they are in jeopardy. Yep. And you have to be able to, the concept of being the covenant people that, that David needed when the time did come where he had to become the king and then unify the whole nation of Israel. He needed these covenant men, but these covenant people were developed not in the palace. These people were, were developed. They became covenant people in the difficult time, in the problem years, in the season when it wasn't quite as awesome as it was going to be eventually. Yeah. See the same situation come up, you know, famously with Jesus and his disciples. You know, like these guys are showing up with Jesus on the scene and he's, you know, raising the dead and, you know, healing everybody in sight, feeding a multitude with a filet of fish sandwich. He was walking on water and turning invisible. It's just <laughs> like, dude, you know, who are you? No doubt, you are the Christ. <clears throat> you are the Messiah. And all of these disciples then, they come and they're, connected to him man this is it yeah caesar who are you kidding me this guy's gonna do business with this whole oppression that would and i want to be there when that time comes how many know it it didn't go straight from one to the other it, that's right it went through a lot of ups and downs it went through a lot of difficulties and it it ended up with messiah jesus hanging on a cross yep and we had to decide they had to decide, what were they gonna do? Now we had two main characters at this time, as you remember the story, two main characters are involved in the, in the passion of Christ. One, Peter, mm -hmm. and two, Judas. Dun, 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 dun. The story of these two men ended very differently, yep. but they did really essentially the same thing. Judas betrayed Jesus, Peter betrayed Jesus. But their end was not different. Remember I talked to you, I think last time we were together about, I used to think that hopelessness was the, the worst affliction that a human being can have. <clears throat> and then when Tina and I and different of the team have gone to Africa and to different nations of that continent where you know, there's a lot of hopelessness that is particularly in you know, the particular area there after the LRA left. And you know, it's a place that's been in poverty for a long time with different issues, government issues, and you know, all kinds of terrible things going on. And so, you, but you, you look at some of these people, you meet these, these men and these women that are there and you're realizing that you know, they're so hopeless, but they are not in a sense, depressed. They are not suicidal. They are mm -hmm. not what I would have thought was going to be the result. And we see the same parallel here between Judas and Peter. When Judas is there, he betrayed him. Imagine what that would have felt like because I think Judas must have had some plan in his head that he was gonna force Jesus's hand or something like that and uh, you know, didn't realize exactly how this was gonna go down with the man who can raise the dead and walk on water. And now he's gonna bow the knee when it comes to Caesar and the Roman soldiers. And he's probably very confused by that when he sees it going down. And that must have created a real hopelessness in him. Yeah. You know, you can do some stuff wrong, but how many of you know betraying the Messiah? Probably pretty high up there on <laughs> what makes you feel hopeless in life. Yeah. 
minutes later, Peter did the same thing. But when we pick up their story only moments later, we discover that Judas's end was very different than Peter's end. Both of them hopeless. Both of them had done the unpardonable thing of killing the Son of God or denying the Son of God. What was the difference? Why did Peter go on to change the world and Judas went on to hang himself? The difference was family. We pick up Peter only moments later at the resurrection of Jesus, and where was he? Where did he go? In his moment of hopelessness, where did he go? He went where? He went to his brothers. He went to his family. He went to the disciples. Where, did Judas, where could Judas go? Judas could go nowhere. There was nobody for Judas. What's the difference? The difference is in the problem years, <clears throat> in the difficult times when we are, we are pursuing vision but just not seeing it. Matter of fact, you're, sometimes you pursue vision and it seems like it's harder than it was today than it was yesterday. Yep. What do you do in those times? What do you do in your marriage when things go into the hard years? What do you do in your business when, when the, the, the financial uh, forecast that you started off with in January goes to the toilet by June? What do you do in those moments? What do you do with your friends when difficulties come up, when your loved ones, when sickness or those kind of issues come into the equation? All of a sudden, the honeymoon, the, the drapes are, are, are pulled on the honeymoon and things get tough. What do you do? Get the keys. What do you do in a, in a ministry or you know, when there's difficulties that go on between individuals? How, how do you solve that stuff? Mm-hmm. You see, what we learned from Peter and, jo- uh, and Judas was that you gather together. Yes. Yep. Let me tell you something, that preaches a lot easier than it lives. Because <laughs> when there's trouble in your marriage, the last person you want to call on for help is your spouse. Yeah. When there's trouble in your business, the last person you want to talk to is your banker. <laughs> when there's trouble in a ministry, the last person you want to sit beside in church is the problem you're having, the person that you're having the problem with. Yeah. It's hard in the problem years. But let me tell you, it is in the problem years that the iron turns into steel. Yep. That the connections that exist between people That's that say, right. I'm with you, come hell or high water. Yes. Yeah. I'm here no matter what. I'm here not just in the good times. I'm here in the bad times. I'm here when it's fun and I'm yes. here when it's not fun. I'm That's here right. when it's easy and I'm here yes. when it's hard. Amen. Those are the times where God has the ability to make connections that cannot be broken. Yeah. Or at least when we face whatever's coming next, we've got the, 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 the strength. At least Amen. there's not enough strength to handle the last thing we just right. had. So as we do that, then what would Pastor Alex and I were thinking of doing was kind of connecting together and talking about a couple of strategies of what do you do in those times when, or maybe let's look at the whole package of making a commitment to something. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's where we have, we have struggled in our culture because making a commitment to something is easy as long as there is some glory that I get from it. 
As long as I get paid or I get my name on the door or I get to preach on Sunday or whatever it would be, then I'm willing to make a commitment to that. But they're surrounded here. You are surrounded by people here that are willing to do the heavy lifting, do, willing to do the hard work, willing to day after day, year after year, do the things that need to be done in order for the plan and purpose of God for this ministry to come to pass. Yes. yes. What we're learning as we do that is the value of those connections, those commitments that we make. You know, I've, I've been meaning to, I've only sort of jumped in there every now and again, because Solomon can be a lot like me in a lot of ways. And so reading Ecclesiastes can be a little troublesome, especially if you're a North American, because you recognize that all throughout Solomon's writings is saying that the more you have to eat, the less appetite you have to eat it. <laughs> The more mountains you get to sing off, the less valuable it is to you to sing off a mountain. Yeah. The more beaches you bathe on, the less excited you are about bathing on beaches is yeah. what Solomon throughout the whole book has to tell us that the nicer the food you have, the less taste you have for it. That's right. And you start to realize there must yet be a better purpose in life yes. than to live yes. for all of these other things and discovering yeah. what I believe God wants us to discover is that inside of all of that, the connections that we make, the covenant relationships that we develop through our lives are those things that make everything else taste amazing. Yep. And remain in that place where you are so excited and you can enjoy all the good things God is bringing into your life that it doesn't make your senses numb. It doesn't turn your taste buds so that everything tastes like chicken. It gives you that joie de vivre that comes from life and it continues to come from life as we continue forward. But we must understand in our culture, very specifically, that we have been trained to, to believe or to gravitate towards things that are exactly the opposite. Rather than creating or doing what it takes to create coven strong covenantal relationships, yep. where we, we shy away from those things. I don't want the commitments. And, you know, if I'll commit to do something tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. After that, nah. -uh. You want me to commit for a month? Whoa. A year? Yeah. Are you kidding me? You want to commit for the rest of your life? Yeah. Uh -uh. <laughs> You see how those things go. The longer the commitment, the more it requires of you to make that commitment. Yeah. But instead, we have to understand, this is what makes life worth living. Yes. Yeah. Amen. That's right. These are the things that matter. Yes. It's not which mountain Tina and Ian sing off. It is that we sing off them together. Yeah. It's that we have the fun of getting there and to, you know, that's how it what matters. To be there singing off that mountain by myself would mean nothing to me. I mean, that wouldn't to you either, really. Maybe one or two you'd be excited about, but <laughs> it would get old. And so first of all, let's take a look at number one. You got to commit to a cause. Yeah. You got to commit to something. Yeah, that's right. And you had to start the journey. I'm not promising you journey is going to go easy. You may be a person who commits easy and gets along easy and never has a fight, never has a problem, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I've never met that person. 
You got to commit to it. You got to be ready to say, I'm going to go a different way. Yeah. Because when you go the way of, the, of North America and you say, you know what, I'm going to rise to the top of that pinnacle and once I get up there, I'm going to be the happiest person in the world, ain't, there's no evidence of that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> None whatsoever. The evidence is in the happiness that yeah. comes, purpose and meaning and value and all of these type of things that we get because we serve together. Yes. Yeah. Common people coming together with a common cause and say, I'm going to do what it takes in order to see that thing come to yeah, pass. And I, I think that a huge thing where that is concerned too is, is the reality that we have to change the way that we see ourselves. Right. I think that sometimes the reason why we feel like we can't commit to a cause is because sometimes we have this feeling that what difference could we actually make? Right. You know, and so because of that, our lives objective becomes just trying to make ourselves comfortable instead of realizing that when God created us, he created each of us that we would be able to radically change and transform the world. And that in us, right? Sometimes you can think about it. You mean me? Like I'm from Fort Erie. Like sometimes I think about that. Like we talk about the grandiose plans that we're getting. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like I've lived basically in Fort Erie my whole life. There's 30,000 people here. There's 7 billion people in the world. Tell me what about me can make a difference. But the reality is, is that so many people stop there. They settle there. They sit back there instead of realizing, wait a minute, when we join a cause together, right? Like maybe alone, you're right. I'm not good enough to be able to change the world alone. But when I give my little bit and you give your little bit and, you know, my mom comes in and then Brittany comes in and we begin to join together, it's actually amazing. Like the geese, right? Like think about how far a geese, a, a, a goose actually flies. Like we're talking about thousands and thousands of miles. And the reason why they're able to be so successful, the reason why they're able to make the trip year after year after year is because they realize that alone they can't do it. But together, together they're able to accomplish these. Like I think what the monarch butterflies are like that. Like, like things in nature, like nature has been given to us to open up our eyes to realize that like, wait a minute, we were not created small. We weren't created to be average. We weren't created to be alone. And when we join a cause, I mean, that's what happened to me when I came into ministry. It was like at first when I came into ministry, it was all about me right? It, w it was. And I preached because it made me feel good. And when you didn't respond well enough to me, it bothered me and I hated you. I didn't tell you that, but I did. But, and, and the problem was, is that when I was in ministry, because it was all about me, I was always looking back at what I walked away from. And so I would think about, oh, I was in school and I had this job and I had this degree and I had this thing. And it was always like I was running back. But as soon as I realized, it was like one day I woke up and I realized, wait a minute, I can do so much more if I would commit to this than I could have done alone. And as soon as my heart committed and connected to a cause rather than to my own personal gain, it was like what was behind me it didn't matter anymore. And it was like now the sacrifice that I was being asked to make didn't feel like sacrifice anymore. When I had to show up early and clean the church, when I had to do the different things that I honestly didn't want to do, it didn't feel like it was sacrificing anymore because I realized that every small step that I was able to take and move forward brought my cause that much closer to me. 
And so I committed to the cause because I realized that in that was the very thing that my heart was actually longing for. Yeah, amazing. 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 Second thing I want to I talk about is that, well, let's, let's just summarize the commitment part. There is a huge difference between people who commit to go to church. That's right. And people who commit to go to church every Sunday. Yeah. You know, how many of you already like, know <clears throat> that's a different thing? Yeah. Right? And like, that's why when mom comes back and she's like, oh, there's no place like home. And you're like, what do you mean? You only miss church like one service. And she's like, no, you don't understand. Yeah. Because like she belongs here. Right. And there's a piece of our heart that feels that like I be there. Some people come and they observe. Yes. You know, and they're like spectators. And we put on a pretty good show. Like, I'm pretty entertaining, I think, <laughs> right? And some people come and they observe, and it's like they're wondering why they're not feeling that connection. And then there's other people who belong. Yeah. And when I belong somewhere, it's like my heart longs to be in that. My heart longs to be with you. Like, if I don't get to come to church, it, like, bothers me, right? Like, Danielle and I talk about that all the time. How, like, when we go to church, like, it's hard for us to leave because we love... We just like being at church right. because I belong here. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's the thing is that we choose the level of our buy-in. Like, right. it's not like I belong here because I'm a McDonald's. No, I belong here because like I have found my purpose here. Right. Like I, I belong here because this is my cause. Like I'm fighting for Like we fight for each and every one of you. And because of that, like my heart has been able to connect to a deeper place. Yeah. Amazing. Sorry to <laughs> Number two, after making the commitment, right, where I'm saying, I am going to connect, I'm going to do something, I'm going to tell people that you can count on me. Yes. Yeah. Which is already, you can feel it. It's like, oh, you whoa, that's got, let's say, okay, let's get by number one. Let's say we've done that. Yeah. That doesn't solve all the problems. Yeah. The next problem is you really have to focus on the why and the who. Yep. Because let me tell you, the what and the when, they're going to beat on you. What people need you to, what, who needs you to do something and what they need you to do, let me tell you, and when they need you to do it, it's going to be a lot. Yeah. And so in that season now, you, when you're making a commitment, you're not making a commitment. That's why we don't do it a lot around here. We don't ask people to commit to something. I mean, there's some guys around here that I make them do stuff, but the... <laughs> For the most part, I don't want people doing stuff that they don't want to do. I need them to know the why, yeah. and I need them to know the who. That's who right. are you ministering to? That's do you right. care about them? Yes. And then when you get the, the who, do you know the why? Why yeah. is God asking you to do yes. that? Yeah. When you know that, it doesn't really matter what the what and the when are. You'll be here. You'll be here before I am. You'll be kicking the door down in order yeah. to get in here because you're yeah. so motivated. Absolutely. By the by, the who and the why. Yes. And you have to know that stuff. You have to let that be the reason that you step into the commitment, because then when stuff gets hard, you're not going to bolt. Yeah. You're going to stay the course because you're focused on the who right. and you're focused on the why. Yeah. Like that was when I, I remember I first got into like our inner healing program and I, I think I was, I'm pretty sure I was forced in. It was kind of like, you need to do something around here. And so you need to go do that. Okay. And at first it bothered me so bad because I'm having to do these meetings and they're happening all the time. And I was focused on the when, 
right? I'm focused on the fact that I got to be at church and I got to go and I got to do all these things and it's stealing all my time. And then it was like I went through the inner, inner healing process myself and I realized the transformation that somebody can experience when they're going through it. And all of a sudden, like my heart became, uh, it was like I was alive to it. Like I couldn't do enough meetings because now I was focused on the what, right? I'm focused on the fact that this is transforming people's lives. And then I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking of my friends and these people that I know. And it's like now my whole world, like, like I feel like my cause and my passion in life is helping people to understand that you could be transformed when in the beginning of this process, because I was so focused on that, that I got to show up again. I could have missed out on literally one of the reasons why I feel like I was put on this earth because I was simply focused on the wrong thing. But when I got my attention focused on the fact of, wait a minute, like stop making this about you, right? I got to do that sometime. You got to be like, stop making this about you. Think about someone other than yourself. And when I did that, honestly, when I did that and I focused on the fact that this wasn't just a meeting that I was going to show up for, for an hour. It wasn't someone trying to steal my time. This was potentially a moment that someone was going to encounter God that was going to radically transform their life forever. And when I focused on what was about to happen and who it was about to happen for, now all of a sudden my heart, my heart burns to be a part of these things. Wow, amazing. And then number three, when we're dealing, because the, the different, everybody wants to get married. Everybody wants to experience covenant relationships because yeah. it is the pinnacle of human experience. Yeah. When you have a friend who is there for you in, in, the, in good or bad, when you can count on them, when they're loyal, when they're committed, when they're literally believing for you and in you all the time, and you say, that, yeah, I'm not, that's not for me. I'm looking. No, everybody wants that. Yeah. That is the greatest thing, the greatest asset that a person could ever have. But it does not come without difficulties. And what do you do when it's difficult? Yeah. What do you do when the marriage gets tough? What do you do when the business gets, you know, goes into chapter 11? What do you do in a church where you just can't handle it anymore? I tell you the best strategy that I have ever learned is you got to double down. Yep, that's right. You know, that's a, that's a card playing term. And that's, you know, I'm exa- I don't play cards, but I get the general concept is when it looks like you're losing the most, yep. you double the amount of money that you're yeah. betting on that yeah. hand. Absolutely. Trying to get the other person to back down. Yeah. Is that what, is that, does anybody play cards or used to? <laughs> Probably can't admit that on uh, Sunday morning. <laughs> no, I don't play cards. Yeah. Absolutely not. What's the key here though? <laughs> Can I tell you the key to accomplishing the vision of becoming a covenant-minded people is to maintain the vision. That's right. This is what happens, and you've all had this experience, is that when the vision is hot in you, it really doesn't matter how tough things are. Yeah. You'd be there in the middle of the night in a snowstorm, you know, the heat, there could be no heat, there's nobody you know, by yourself doing it, you, you, you know, you got all of these, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're just keen to keep going and keep going and keep, because yeah. the vision is hot in you. Yeah. And so when the problems, the difficulties, the issues start to appear as though they're affecting you, it's not the issues. That's right. The issue's been there all the time. Yes. 
You've always, you've, I mean, you had problems on your first date with the girl that you're married to. That's right. You just overlooked them. You know, he was. I'm laughing because she had problems with me. That's, really, that's, what, that's, that's why, why I'm. That's, that's why, why I'm laughing. That's why actually. I'm laughing too. My because wife is I'm perfect. Right. Okay, she's right. Honey, I love you. You're, you're perfect. Are, you're <laughs> such a sucker with these things. I can't preach with you. <laughs> you know, you. I think back in our my first. I was thinking about it my first couple of dates, and I. You know, I'm a dork, like a dork. I don't know how you stayed with me, honestly. But. <laughs> it's, it's the vision. It's the vision. There it is. Where am I? I don't know where I am. In Commit the to a cause. That Commit was to the a thing. No. What do you got to do? Doubling down means I go back to the vision. Yep. And I double it. I go back to it and I put more vision to it. Yeah. I find a better way to do it. I find a, a, a stronger way to have That's it accomplished. Right. I get yes. more efficient. I, yes. I serve that vision and pour something extra yes. into that vision yeah. that I wasn't even thinking about pouring yeah. in before. Yeah. And I think the thing that's so amazing about that is, is that when you increase your vision, your increased vision draws in the people that you need in order to solve the problems that you're having. Right. And so a lot of the times what we actually need is we don't need someone to come in and help us. We don't need someone to come in and figure out our problems. What we need is to increase our vision and the vision itself will attract the answers to the problems that we're having. The vision creates yeah. the solution, right? It's like the thing, that's what provision is all about. It's like when you have a vision, then the money is gonna be there that's gonna be necessary. And so we're not focused on trying to change the outside. That's what Jesus was all about, man. Stop trying to change things on the outside. If I could yes. change the picture that's on the inside of me, just stop for a minute. Stop looking at the problems and looking at the storm and looking at the, no, I'm gonna look on the inside of my myself and realize everything that I need, God has already put on the inside of me. And that's why I hammer down on the vision. That's why I hammer on, Lord, show me, enlarge my vision, open up my eyes, because I know the more that I can see, the more that I become attractive to people. Yes. And the more that I'm attracted to people, listen, the only reason that you follow this ministry is because there was something here that you were attracted to. You want your business to grow? Get something happening in your life around you that people can become attracted to. And when I have that, people just come out of the woodwork like sometimes you think how did this person show up here like some people tell us that like i don't know why i moved to fort erie and it's like well i know why you moved to fort erie it was because our vision it didn't matter yes. if you came from from china or california you came from and doesn't really make it my vision you might never have known me but my vision in the spirit yes. is drawing people here from all that's why we can say what well, people will come from nations near and far to be a part of what god is doing in our midst why do we say that because it's some pipe dream no it's our vision our vision is literally sending out radio waves to people who are in indonesia and china who are crying out for more of god what they're yes. doing is that their desire is connecting to our vision in the spirit and god is drawing them to us that's how we grow. That's how we change spiritually. I'm not trying to change things in the natural. What I'm changing the picture on the inside of me, and then I'm letting the angels go and do the bidding that they were that they've been designed and destined to do in our life. Oh, Woo! oh come on. 
<laughs> and so we have, we asked, many of you know Miss Jenny. She uh, runs our uh, inner healing, the, what we call the Momentum Center here uh, at Light City. And we just thought that we would get you a little bit of history from her when she's sort of connecting in. And this was many, this had to be 40 years ago now that we began to walk together. Um, but, the, but just part of that journey, is it not that? No, of course, that would mean you started when you were the born, I guess. That was yes. what that would mean, right, yeah. right, right. That was maybe a year and a half ago that we, uh, you know... <laughs> But I just thought maybe if She's you could, real smart, that's it. 1988, that's 30 years. That was, yeah, yeah, 85, anyways. Anyways, we're gonna need to focus here on the front row if you don't mind. Someone who knows math. Yes, yes. Not me. Maybe share a little bit. You've heard what we've had to say today about people joining in and just taking that extra step, whether they're, 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 they're looking to commit or whether they're part of committing, but they're struggling and they're stumbling or whatever, things are getting hard. Talk to us a little bit about your journey of really uh, the, the ministry and being involved, empowering you to sort of find out things about your life that perhaps mm -hmm. wouldn't have been as clear to you otherwise. Sure, absolutely. I have to just jump right off of what Pastor Alex was saying in terms of the vision of the ministry mm -hmm. because you know even though i love you you're my brother-in-law and my sister i love you and your kids and i you know i believe in you as people and i want to get behind you and support what you're doing and that that was part of my you know obviously it's part of my passion but truly when you begin to introduce a healing work and transformation through you know getting out the deception and receiving truth uh, my spirit just latched, latched on to that yeah. as uh, an avenue, uh, as a truth for uh, total healing and restoration. Yeah. And my background is, is social work. So I, I started out, actually I have a BA in child psychology. So I was always interested in how, you know, the human psyche works and how we form and why we fall down and what's that all about in kids. But um you know, I, I went from there to social work because I, I thought, well, I don't really want to work with children, um, although I love kids. Uh, and so I went into social work, and um, I was frustrated because, uh, you know, I got my master's degree in social welfare policy. So my whole thing was about why are people so oppressed? Mm -hmm. Why am I oppressed, frankly? You know, why am I dealing with my stuff? And how come I can't get over it? And what's going on? And so in social work, you know, I learned about oppressive structures that keep people in poverty and keep people diminished. And yet that was just never enough of yeah, an, an explanation right. wow. yep. for, for, you know, what's mm. the solution? Wow. So I went into kind of activism to see, you know, how do you get people empowered to actually take back their lives? You know, and I got sort of disillusioned with that. And then my kids came along and I, I decided to kind of stay home and homeschool because I thought, okay, somehow, God, you're going to show me how to make it different for these two, yeah. right? And when I heard about Rhema, you know, I thought, oh my goodness, this is key. Yeah. This is key because it's deliverance, yeah, right. right? So it's not just getting the truth <clears throat> yes. and having that truth transform us, right? But dealing with all of the, the demonic stuff too that wants to keep us oppressed, there are systems and structures designed, but they're spiritual, yeah. right? So there's so much more going on. So I don't know. I, I, I felt like maybe, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question totally, but 
Well, how, what's that done for you then? Like as you're, as oh you're walking goodness. ahead with this, you look into the future, you look at, you know, your yeah. heart was obviously not just to help Jenny and her kids. Your heart at the time was to, you know, was very oh, Godward focused, but yeah. it was, you know, how does, how does heaven on earth happen? How does, it, how does the world and the suffering and the pain, how do we solve that problem? Or how do we at least contribute to solving that problem? Well, we just keep expanding, right? I mean, one of the things that the Lord's been showing me is just this, the freedom prayer that's come into the house, yeah. right? And the uh, trauma work that's being done for people. And literally, how easy is that to take that out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, to get a group of people and everybody, everybody's got some, some, some trauma. Mm -hmm. And to just walk people through a simple step for inviting Jesus into that and getting the truth concerning that, having him rewrite your story in a minute, literally, and transforming everything, yeah, well, causing yeah. a great domino to go out. You know, yeah. we could do that with masses of people easily yes. under the anointing yes. right. of the Lord, right? So, so I, I didn't see the thread in my life. But now I do, and I think, oh, Jesus, you're so good. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so, so for other, and then for other people, those of you that are here as well, that might not be that Amazing. your heart is as Jenny's was, and many of us here on, the, yeah, on that man. inner healing uh, way of things. Yes. But I'm telling you that when you begin to connect at whatever, even if all your connection point today is you're going to commit to pray for us more. Yeah. And you're going to give 10 minutes every morning to be able to lift up the work of this ministry, or you're going to connect in. You're going to make some contribution that a valuable contribution to the things that go on around here. Or if you're already doing that, you're going to up your game and you're going to, whatever that would be, realizing that in that process, the same yes. thing that happened for Jenny and for Alex and for even for Tina and I, for all of us, as we have committed to this part of the journey to understand how God is using those day-to-day -day experiences to empower us to do something not only with our lives, but with this ministry and with the connection that we have one with another, yeah. to literally change the world, yes. to see Absolutely. heaven on earth come Amen. into being. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus or you've known about him, but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.